While you're still standing, if you would find your Bibles then and turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Uh, Verse 39 brings us a bit before the words that we were just singing. And so I'll read that for us, and then we'll be able to read through the song that we just sung together. A Mary's song, also called the Magnificat in Latin. One of the more famous songs uh, in history, as it were. So let me read for us from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. This is after Mary has heard of uh, the coming birth of Jesus, uh, conceived of the Holy Spirit, uh, given to her by the angel Gabriel, in a similar way that uh, the angel came to Zechariah. And now we get to verse 39. I hear then God's word this morning. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is God's word for us. You may be seated. Lord, as we open your word together, by the power of the Spirit, would your name be magnified in all of our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you were growing up, did you ever want a pair of binoculars for Christmas at some point? Anyone willing to admit, was that ever on your wish list? If I could, maybe I'm the only one, if I could just have this pair of binoculars, I mean, imagine what I could see. Um, I don't know if it coincided with Christmas, but I I eventually did get a pair of binoculars when I was young, and I went with my uncle and his family on a trip, uh, a road trip all the way to Yellowstone National Park, and so I had, um, you know, that Birds of North America book, can you picture that, Uh, that paperback uh, uh, cover, and I was going to be an ornithologist, and I had my binoculars, and, um, you know, I'd look out the window until I got car sick, which is about two seconds, and uh, you road trip all the way, and you get to Yellowstone, and having those binoculars is, is amazing, uh, being able to see uh, bears and, and elk, and, you know, you're driving along the road, and you see 10 cars parked, and you know there's something to be seen, um, and so having those binoculars is incredibly helpful. Imagine if 
you know, we got to the park and, and we pulled over at one of those sites and, and I pulled out the binoculars and I turned them around backwards and said, this will do the trick. Uh, and, and, and looked through the binoculars backwards. I'm sure you've done that. It's pretty fun to, to look backwards. It makes everything look tiny uh, and far away. But it defeats the purpose, right, of binoculars, which is to show something that is really incredible but is somewhat out of your sight and, and to bring it right into your view. If you flip the binoculars around, you are just going to miss it. You're not going to see what you're meant to see. Mary's song speaks of magnifying the Lord, uh, lifting up his name. And Mary's song, as we'll see, is a reflection of Mary's life because she says, I'm a servant of the Lord. Whatever you say goes. I want your name to be lifted high. We're called then to magnify the Lord, even like a a pair of binoculars, and yet so often we point the binoculars in the wrong direction. We point them in on ourselves, right? And we miss the whole point of our lives, really, which is to magnify the Lord. And so the question this morning, uh, this is Mary's song, is it your song? Uh, This song reflected Mary's life, does it reflect your life? Is the purpose of your life to magnify the Lord? I pray that it would be. And I pray that this morning you'd be reminded. We all need reminded. We, we need someone to come and turn the binoculars back in the right direction and come back into the awe that comes when we look through them and see the Lord clearly. And so let's look at this t- wonderful text. As we're looking at these early texts leading up to uh, our celebration of Christmas, we, we looked last week at uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and their desire for a child and how God uh, speaks through Gabriel this gospel, this good news that this angel brings of, of John, who is going to be a forerunner of Jesus. Uh, we said that he answers this huge prayer of Israel, that the Messiah would come by answering this relatively small prayer of this one couple, that they would have a child. And God does it again. He answers this huge prayer uh, that the Son of God would come, the Messiah, by coming to a young woman, potentially a teenager, and speaking to her good news of this Savior who would come through her. And so what do we see as we come to this text? Mary uh, comes and visits uh, her relative, Elizabeth. Right, The angel had told her, you know, Elizabeth is, is, uh, has conceived. This is proof to you that nothing is impossible with God. And so whether the angel told her to go or not, Mary just wants to go. She wants to go and see because uh, she knows that the baby in her womb is somehow connected to the baby in Elizabeth's womb. And she goes and greets Elizabeth. Uh, the baby leaps in, in Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth's filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see, in, in, in a sense, she prophesies and, and blesses Mary. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you. As she's stunned. Why would it be granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I mean, we could hang there for a while. If, you know, if, if people wonder, does the New Testament really think of Jesus as God? The mother of my Lord. Uh, and, and in the Gospel of Luke, Lord is applied to Jesus. It's applied to God. Luke uses the word Lord more than any other gospel author. Mary, indeed, in just a moment, will say, my soul magnifies the Lord. And here Elizabeth is saying, you're the mother of my Lord. We, we should meditate on that. She says, behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what 
was spoken to her from the Lord. And so we see Elizabeth's, uh, some would even say Elizabeth's song. We're, we're starting to see these different songs, and we're about to see Mary's song. Uh, it, 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 it's incredible if you think of Mary's song, and then we're going to see Zachariah's song in a few weeks. Uh, his prophecy, we sang, and, and, and we could see the angels' Gloria. Uh, we see Simeon the prophet, uh, his sort of outpouring, almost his uh, song. One writer calls these the, uh, the last of the Hebrew psalms and the first of the Christmas hymns. As these songs bring us into uh, this redemptive moment of God sending his son in our midst. Uh, that same author says this, Luke included these lyrics because he understood that the gospel is and must be a musical What God has done in Christ demands to be praised. It's not enough simply to say what God has done to save us. What he has done needs to be celebrated in song. And that's what Mary does. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time reflecting. And I would encourage you to reflect on this song beyond this brief sermon. uh, Because Mary's song, again, is reflective of her heart, of her life. Mary's song could be our song, uh, the song of the Christian life, to magnify of the Lord together. And so we come to her song then. Um, And how does it start? Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. He who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And so we see that we're called to magnify the Lord. That's the main point of her song. That's the main point of this text. That our own hearts and when people look in at our lives, they would see God lifted high, his name. And number one, we do this because he lifts up the humble. Because he lifts up the humble. We are to magnify and lift up the name of the Lord because God lifts up the humble. Do you, do you see that in this song as it gets started? Right, Even her stance, I'm here to magnify the Lord. That's a humble stance. I'm here to rejoice in God my Savior. Because he, even though he's God, even though he's mighty, even though he is Savior, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. He's looked on the humble estate of his servant. Remember back in verse 38, as we just said, she says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Literally, I'm the bondservant. I'm a slave of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Right? Is this because Mary possessed an intellect that was beyond all in her day? She understood at every bit of what the angel said to her and, and, and the mystery of what it meant that the Holy Spirit would conceive in her womb, the Lord Jesus? No. We see throughout the rest of Luke's, uh, these early narratives that Mary treasures these things in her heart. She's pondering them. She's worshiping the Lord, even if she doesn't have full understanding of them. But she is a servant of the Lord. She humbly comes to magnify him. And so we see a a humble posture leads to a posture of praise. It's it's the very posture that John will have, this other baby who leaps for joy, right? Uh, John, whose conception and birth is miraculous in its own right, even in his, you know, he would never remember it, but even in the womb, he is making much of Jesus. He's excited when Jesus shows up, and that fits because when Jesus shows up on the scene, what does John say? But he must decrease and Christ must increase. And that's the call of the Christian life, and that's what Mary's doing here in this song. Uh, She's calling us to 
humility, to true humility. I think we live in a day and age where the word humble is used a lot, actually. It's, it really is a virtue in one sense. Um, perhaps you've heard this term, the, the humble brag. Are you familiar with this term? Social media is usually where you find the humble brag. I'll give you an example, and I think you'll see what I mean. Uh, here's just one random social media post. I recently discovered that buying your own flat is really stressful. What's the undertone of that? <laughs> I'm really rich and I'm buying a flat. It's so stressful, right? Uh, random useless fact. You can't fit a Lego Lamborghini box inside the trunk of a real Lamborghini. It, complete with an image of a Lamborghini with a Lego box trying to fit inside of it. Um, you get the undertone of that as well. I intentionally tried to fly economy about half the time, even though I could afford more, if nothing else, just to stay sane. <laughs> That's a good one. Or something like this. You know, we use the word blessed in this way. I'm just so blessed with my five kids, my wonderful job, and energy to work so hard like I do and earn all of it. <laughs> right? Blessed <laughs> by these things. Um, one, uh, one author puts it this way. One New York Times author says, when did humility get so vainglorious? Uh, or calling yourself humble doesn't sound as humble as it used to. Uh, right? We, we say that we're blessed or we say that we're blown away by uh, the way that uh, when we served you know, and, and, and gave, and we were just so blown away by how it made us feel, but we put it on social media. Right. Uh, remember the Pharisee from a few weeks ago. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, versus the other man. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right. Or we think of Elizabeth, who has true humility. She means it when she says, why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This isn't a false humility, which we often do, right? Uh, you know, why would God, you know, work in my life? You know, I, I'm nobody, right? <laughs> and waiting for the other person to say, no, 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 you are somebody. No, Elizabeth is actually blown away. Why would the mother of my Lord come to me? Or again, we saw Mary. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. He's looked on the humble estate of his servant. Mary means it. Why would God work through her? This great redemptive thing, bringing a Jesus into the world. And so we see that we're called to a true humility because God lifts up the humble. And we've seen this as a theme throughout Luke. Uh, in, in Luke 14.11 and 18.14, Jesus repeats, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Do you see how Luke is just showing us that right at the beginning of his gospel? Mary exalts the Lord. She humbles herself before him. And in that sense, she's exalted. Uh, she's uh, blessed. It, it, she's part of the redemptive story as one who, like a functioning pair of binoculars, points people, magnifies the Lord in their sight, uh, in, in their hearts. And uh, so that's my, is that your song? Is Mary's song your song? Do, do these kind of words flow readily off your lips? And do they reflect the song of your heart, that your whole life, whether you live or you die, would be to magnify the Lord? That's what Mary does, and that's what she calls us to.
too as well in this text. And so we magnify the Lord, number one, because he lifts up the humble. Number two, because he brings down the proud. He brings down the proud. Right? These, these great reversals are just all throughout Luke, as, as you've traveled with me through the Gospel of Luke. Right? The, the Pharisee gets humbled, and the tax collector gets lifted up. and uh, All of this starts at seeing uh, Jesus uh, born in a manger. And, and it culminates in the book of Acts when uh, the early church is described as those who are turning the world upside down. These, these great reversals. And we see this here. We, we see this mighty God lifting up and bringing down. And to illustrate this, I want to I read back through her song. And I need your help. Um, I'm going to invite the kids if they want to. They, they could even get on their feet for this part. Uh, but adults, you can use your hands. I know we're Presbyterian, um, but it is possible. As we go through this, kind of follow me. I'm going to try to say when, when something about God that is mighty or big or huge or lifted up, we're going to put our hands up. And when something is humble or low or being brought down, we're going to put our hands down. And I think you'll see the pattern in this song. So are you warmed up? Are you ready? Um, where was this when the heater wasn't working a couple weeks ago, right? So follow with me. So Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's big, right? And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For now on, all generations will call me blessed, right? He's, he's magnifying her in that sense. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who what? Who fear him. That's a humble state from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever." Do you see that movement in this song? This mighty God, remembering the prayers of his people, this mighty God bringing low those who, if you ask them, where are you? Are you here or here? They would say, oh, we're here. And you say, well, good luck. He's about to bring you down if you think that's the end all and be all. Right? Not that God doesn't use rulers, that God doesn't raise up Christians in high positions or who have big bank accounts. Uh, that's not the point. Uh, the point uh, is that those positions certainly have a, uh, temptations that come with them, but uh, the question is, is your soul magnifying the Lord? Is your life, your riches, your talents, all of it laid down like a crown taken off? In other words, uh, uh, the rulers of this earth will uh, either lay down their crowns and, and, and seek to honor the Lord in their position, or the crowns will be knocked from their heads, whether in this life or the next life. And this is meant to comfort us, right, as God's people. God's people throughout the world sort of experiencing different levels of persecution. We're puzzling about our place now in this country, but certainly there will be other countries that are just right in the midst of direct persecution. We don't know what's coming. 
would be comforted by this, comforted by the words here that are reflective of Hannah's song, that are reflective of Psalm 2, that God who sits in the heavens laughs. He has established his son, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So this is meant to be comfort for us that uh, even if adversaries bear down on us, it's temporary. Even if, even if they seem to bear their mighty arm, I mean, he calls them mighty, right? The, the mighty, those who rule on thrones, those who are rich, they will be scattered. They will be driven away. And so it's comfort for God's people. It's also a challenge for us as God's people when you think of not just the world aspect of it, but our hearts. Because we can look at the rulers of the world and say, oh, how could they, you know, think so much of themselves? How could they live their life however they want? And we could do the same thing. Or even in our church culture, we can raise up celebrities as if, you know, if we could just get the right Christian celebrity or if we could just get the right Christian leader who can sort of play by their same game but do it in a very Christian way, then we're going to bring the kingdom of God. Or we sort of, you know, we, we, uh, um, we deride those of, of high estate and power, and yet in smaller ways we sort of seek after those same things. Not to be a king, not to be sort of over the top, but to have comfort, to have control, to have it so that I can really trust in myself and be self-sufficient, to have it so that I don't have to think of my brothers and sisters and their great need. Contrast that with Philippians 2, where we're called to have the mind of Christ. Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords, who came humbly. It says, look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We see that humility isn't weak. It's not, are you strong or are you weak? There's a strong humility. Look at Mary's song. Would you describe Mary's song as weak? No, if, if this became our song, we, we, we would see humility and strength coming together as we put our trust in the mighty one who truly has strength, who lifts up. And so I'll ask you again, is this your song? Is this the song of your life? Like that you know, great hymn, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. That's what Mary's doing here. And what she does in the rest of her life And I would ask you, is this your song? Uh, Young people, I was thinking of you especially, uh, thinking thinking of Mary as this young woman. We don't know exactly how young she was. She might have been a teenager. Uh, But either way, uh, this young woman of of not much estate in her society, uh, visited by the Lord. And can you see how God is just using even her creativity, even using her knowledge of Scripture? She had to have had Hannah's song, on her mind as she, as she, as she spoke these words. She, she knew her Bible. She loved her Bible. She knew her Lord and loved her Lord. And do you see how God used her in such a special way, even through her creativity, even through the ways that, that he blessed her? Right, Young people, if you will trust in the same Lord and, and say, I'm a servant of the Lord. Whatever he wants to do with my life, I'm game. Whatever he wants to do with my life, I know there's going to be hard days. I know there's going to be hard years. But I want to be his servant, no matter what that means. Young people, if you will do that, if you will do that, then there's no telling what God's going to do through you.
uh, that he would, with his mighty arm, use you in such a, a wonderful way. So is this your song? Is your song the song of your life to magnify the Lord? Uh, because if not, there is a warning that he brings down the proud. Right? If you've heard the gospel time and time again in this church, and each time you sort of think, I don't really need it. I don't really need a Savior who came in a manger. I don't really need someone who grew up uh, to be a man in his 30s, who obeyed the Father, who, uh, who loved the Word, who, who lived it out, who was this mighty prophet who spoke to God's people. I don't really need someone who went to the cross and who died for the sins of his people, right? I'm not perfect, but I don't need someone to go and die for me. If that's been the song of your heart, then I encourage you even now, uh, by the power of the Spirit, that you would see uh, that this Savior is, is precious, this Savior that Mary glorifies in, that she wants to magnify. This Savior is for those of humble estate. Uh, think of what Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and they revile you, and they spurn you, and they spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, for they did so to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who laugh now. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so the fathers did to the, to the false prophets. Do you see what Mary's saying? Do you see what Jesus is saying? The gospel is for those who have been humbled by the Holy Spirit to say, I need this Savior. I don't have all my questions answered, but I need this Savior. I can't bear the weight of my guilt any longer. My strength isn't enough to keep going. I need this Savior. Would you put your faith in this Savior of whom Mary sings the good news of in our text. And so we see that we're to magnify the Lord because he lifts up the humble, he brings down the proud, and lastly, because he remembers his people. He remembers his people. Right, that first section it, it is very personal. God, is, God has heard Mary. He has heard her prayer. He has lifted her up in her humble estate. And then that second section is sort of the more public nature. That this is how God works. He lifts up the humble. He brings down the proud. This last section, we see God's specific work in the midst of his people. Uh, starting in verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Right? Do you see, just like we saw last week, we'll see this more in Zechariah's song, right? that God isn't just sort of randomly acting in history. This is what it's all been coming to. Uh, the promises that he gave to his people of old are all coming to fruition uh, in the midst of Zechariah and Elizabeth and now Mary. And Mary recognizes this. This is, this is the God of the Old Testament. This is the one true God whose steadfast love endures forever, uh, whose mercy is from generation to generation. You could see the Old Testament language flowing from her lips. And here he has helped his servant Israel, that humble posture, servant Israel, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring 
forever. I mean, remember the contrast early in Genesis, right? You have, the, you have the Tower of Babel, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to make a name for themselves. It's a group of people coming together, as groups of people always do, to lift up their own name. And what does God do? But he scatters them. And then what does he do? He calls Abram. He comes to Abram. And he, what is his promise to Abram? I will make your name great. In other words, from the very beginning, a man has clamored for power ever since the fall. Uh, but God is the one who shows up, chooses those of low estate, and says, I will make your name great because I'm bringing you into this redemptive stream that is going to flow all the way uh, to, uh, from your seed, Abraham, to Jesus himself, to the Messiah. God is the one who lifts up in remembrance of his mercy. His mercy is the linking, right? We, we did that exercise of God being mighty and being low. The link between us who are of low estate and God who is mighty is his mercy. It's his mercy. God remembers. God has mercy. And therefore, he acts on behalf of his people as he continues to do today. And so I'll ask you again, is this your song? Uh, the song of this Savior, the song of Mary that speaks of the God who lifts up, the God who brings down, the God who remembers his promises to his people. Because if it is your song, you have access to all these promises. You have access to this God whose steadfast love endures forever. In Jesus, you have full access. And when you do this, when you do this, you begin to function properly as God made you. We talked about the idea of binoculars, and the job of binoculars is, is to magnify, right? It's not to make large things that aren't actually. Uh, it's to bring into view those things that are magnificent, uh, but perhaps easy for us to miss. Uh, God has actually created you to do this. Uh, it says that we are created in the image of God, in the image of God. We're to be images of God walking around, and we are whether we like it or not. God has made us this way. And so our life, again, whether we like it or not, is magnifying something. When someone looks at our life, they're able to say what's being magnified, whether riches or comfort or self or false humility. Our life is magnifying something. But we were made to magnify one. We were made to magnify this mighty God, this Savior, who looks on the humble estate of his servants. Our whole life, this is what we were made for. You will experience the, only the truest joy when the binocular is pointed in the right direction. And you will speak to the world rightly only when it is so. And they will look on your life and say, who is this God? Who is this mighty God who has worked even among these people? And so I encourage you, make Mary's song your song. Say this to the Lord, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your world. Let my life be used to lift high your name, whatever it takes. Let's pray. Lord, we do desire that your name would be lifted high. 
Uh, forgive us, Lord, for the many ways and the many times that we, that we tarnish that, we, and we, we tilt the view away from you and toward ourselves or toward other idols. Lord, would you cast down those idols, cast down all distractions, cast down all pride in our hearts by your Spirit so that we would see you rightly, so that the watching world would see you rightly and would come to know this Savior uh, who loves to work with his mighty arm for the sake of his humble people. Uh, Work in our midst even now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.